ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. And we are back for season four of a very, very, very iconic, iconic podcast. podcast where the two of us recap all the holiday movies we love and some that we don't love so much. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Tis the season. That's right. We're covering some classics this year. We are recapping the entire Santa Claus trilogy. We're going to be diving into a Halloween movie this year. Yes, Hocus Pocus 2. That's right, the sequel. We also have I'll Be Home for Christmas during Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So we are leaning into the home improvement of it all. And if you want to follow along, you can go to Instagram. It's at a very merry iconic podcast on Instagram. And be sure to Listen, subscribe, tell a friend. Have a very merry, iconic day. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This, this is the relevant podcast. It's Friday, August 20, 2021, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, finally, back home again, author, podcaster, mogul in making, Jamie Ivey. I like that, mogul in making. Hey, guys. (laughs) Welcome back. We missed you. Uh, Derek isn't here today. He's away on assignment, so sitting in... Our, our, our standby fill-in, relevant senior editor for Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, man. Howdy, everybody. You're, you're getting a lot of airtime these days. Summer is I a know. time of travel, and uh, you're the go-to. So welcome Not back, for me. man. I'm too Happy busy. to have you. I'm too busy. I can't, I can't get out. Tyler, are people just like pulling you off the sidewalks in downtown Nashville and be like, hey, man, I'm hearing you on the relevant pod? <laughs> yeah, I can't go out. I can't go out anymore. It's getting ridiculous. It's like the Pavarazzi. It's like, gen, you know, it's it's uh, a Benifer 2.0. I mean, and then it's Tyler Huckabee's uh, on the relevant pod. Brittany, we got to track these people you gotta, down. You gotta, yeah. And, and, and Brittany's have... down there. She's, yep. she's on the list. Welcome yeah. to our life, Tyler. It's hard. You, well, you all are probably familiar with this. I, 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 don't, I don't get made very much. You know, I'm not like a local celebrity. Not, I'm not yeah. local here. Tyler. I'm still just a guy. I just I, I put my jeans on one one leg at a time. <laughs> but if I if You're I do get you recognized, put your boots on one foot at a time. I put my boots on one foot at a time. I just jump like any Nashvilleian. I jump into my boots yeah. at the same time. I put my tassels on one at a time. I put my cowboy my hat big, on one at a time. Hat. My, ch- my my chaps actually they have to go on both legs at the same <laughs> time. You got to lay down. Yeah, yeah. yeah because uh, just, listen, chaps are an interesting piece of fabric. It's easy to get confused because they have no backs. So yeah, that's really line, a two-legged. If you don't yeah. jump to put your jeans on, you don't feel my pain was about Tyler Huckabee putting on his chaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt Be dazzled, be gloriously bedazzled pleather purple chaps. <laughs> from the Slay Tiger King collection at Kmart. <laughs> but if I if I do get made by somebody who's a fan of the pod, it's when they hear me talk. It's never because it's never because you know we're, we're behind we're behind microphones where we belong. Right. That's the way we where like we it. Belong. But uh, got a face for podcasting. But every yeah. now and then, if somebody hears me talk and they're like, you're Tyler Huckabee, you're on Relevant Podcast. Yes, I am. Yep. Yes, I am. Hey, uh, do y'all have a good weekend? We need to catch up. I feel like we haven't been together in a while. Yeah. 
Oh, dude, it was it was an unbelievable weekend. I I spent it with my family in our nation's capital. Uh, oh, I was gonna say, don't you spend every weekend with your family? Okay, so in the nation's I, capital, that's what made it yeah. unique. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, th- I feel like kids are really into Washington, D.C. because it's all they learn about in school. You know, they, they are, you know, they see pictures. We went to a Nats game. But as I'm walking around town, okay, uh, I couldn't help myself. And I was looking at all the buildings, the interesting little uh, inscriptions and, and statues and things like that. And, you know, there's little things hidden around D.C. And it got my mind, you know, kind of curious. And anyway, I came home. And I watched the film National Treasure with Nicolas Cage for, I think, for the third time. I think I saw it once when it came out, once during Cameron when we did Trapped in the yeah, Cage, the Nicolas Cage. Cage marathon. Yep. Uh, and the the third time was after I came home from D.C. Guys, I've been on a little treasure hunting bench. And I have found, this is a teaser for later in the show. Oh. I have found out. That not only because the premise of of National Treasure, which is like Disney's version of essentially like a, uh, 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 you know, Da Vinci Code film Mm -hmm. where someone Mm -hmm. has to decipher codes to figure out the, you know, how to either save the world or, or, or find some treasure. Guys, I found a real one. I got so into this over the weekend that I have a crazy treasure hunt mystery with codes and it's coming up later in the show. And what's Jesse thinking? It blew my wow. mind, guys. Wow. I, I it transferred my trip to DC as I'm going to the Smithsonian. I'm the Smithsonian. I'm like, is that a trap door over there? What's up there? Oh, <laughs> what is that? What is that? I I was walking by one of the art museums and I saw a bunch of letters. And this is this is this this doesn't this doesn't bode well for my code breaking abilities because I was like, what do those letters mean? And I was like, my son was like, oh, that's Michelangelo. That says Michelangelo, the famous painter. And I was like, <laughs> I literally couldn't read Michelangelo and scripted onto a big uh, uh, no. stone. You're just, you know, you're looking thing. everywhere. No stone unturned, Jesse Carey. How how many people do you think actually come into the Smithsonian and turn into like I'm going to crack some kind of code in here? Like Jesse Carey is this weekend oh, with his question. family. I would say I would say about seventy to eighty percent of the visitors. <laughs> were, These security guards have have they have training? They were to using deal with like, that, like you. They were using that little like cylinder thing with all the like the numbers and spinning it very really uh-huh. quickly. Trying most of the people were trying to decipher <laughs> codes. All that to say, I got a fantastic uh, of uh, view of the global warming exhibit because no one was going there. Everyone was there trying to decipher <laughs> codes, and it turns out what they were looking at was just a QR code to find the map to the bathroom. But <laughs> but the spirit is there everyone the so what's jesse thinking that's coming back today so so it's something about code breaking it's something about uh-huh. dc can hidden guys keys, i teased it up treasures. before before we got online before we got online we were just chit-chatting uh uh jamie jumped on a little late cameron cameron had uh, uh was was just behind her but me tyler and clark i was like guys i got a really good one today and guys, did I tee it up in a way that you wanted to hear the end of the story? Because I, I had a phone call I had to grab real quick. Did, did, were you guys intrigued for that segment? I'm ready. You you wow. broke off at a cliffhanger. You, oh, le- you left. A, I'm not. I can't even focus. I, I, I know. I know. People, I know. Wow. people people right now are just fast forwarding to the end to get. <laughs> Stick with us, guys. Stick with us. Wow. All right. Well, we have we, a great show for you today. Yeah, we do have a great show in store for you today. <laughs> Coming up, we have director and filmmaker Sean Hader, who is behind the brand new film Coda, which uh, debuted on Apple TV Plus uh, a week ago today, actually. It's brand new. Mm-hmm. Coda. Uh, that's exciting. And, uh, you know, like like we mentioned, what's Jesse thinking? 
is coming up at the end of the show. We also have uh, relevant news. And right now, stick around. It's Slices. Listening to Winston Surf Shirt. The song is All of the Little Things. It's featuring Ramirez. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from being happy or achieving your goals or keeping you from experiencing peace? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world, it can be difficult to find purpose and joy. And that's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly a video or phone sessions, and you can send a message to your counselor anytime. Uh, to top it all off, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash relevant. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. So the other day I was out just chopping it up with some neighbors. Uh, of course. I was at, I went and played in a little poker night with some of the neighborhood, you know, you know, just the, any good? the dudes. You know who won? The guy who never played before. And it was I hate those games. Oh, no. It was infuriating. Oh, no. It's infuriating. Like he was playing all the wrong hands. Playing all and the like, wrong hands. At one point, I was it. the chip leader. Uh, at one point, I was the chip leader. And I'm not trying to brag. I feel like my skills get refined on our Wyoming or our Montana Wyoming trips, Cameron. Like that's mm-hmm. really one of the only times I play. Anyway, some guy who never even played before won all our money. But anyway, I was sitting there chopping it up and just thinking, man, I just like talking to people. I am just a, you know, I'm kind of a chatty Charlie. <laughs> and I make no apologize for that. I've never sat beside someone on an airplane who I didn't become friends with. It's just how I am. I can't, I can't change it. Oh my it. gosh. It's my worst nightmare. Yeah. Traveling with him is a whole other experience. Yeah. Cameron, We've traveled together. How many friends did we just end up? Like we we were okay. The first night we rolled into space camp a couple of years ago, it was just me and Cameron. By night three, our crew was what twelve deep. Yeah, <laughs> so crazy. And like, I'm listen, not, every am time, I exaggerating? No, no. And every time we're going anywhere, we always meet at a hub. It's usually Atlanta or something like that. And we're we're both flying into the hub, and then we'll do the last flight by you know together. And I always you know find him at a hotel restaurant or bar, and he has the whole whole area enamored with his stories and stuff like I walk up and he's like the life of the party already it's 7 30 in the morning man why are you chatting up this dude next to you at the bar and he's like that guy knows George Strait and was telling me stories about old Nashville and I'm like what who cares I almost stayed at, one night one of my when when the, like weather rolled through I almost stayed in a hotel with a bunch of strangers just because we're like no, all right guys that, we've been, that, that is never. crossing every line possible we were no. sort of Nope. We were sort of the bad boy breakfast club of the Atlantic, <laughs> of the Atlanta Irish pub airport, uh, airport Irish pub. Okay. And we almost Gosh. schemed away into getting, into just staying together in one room. That's uh, so uh, weird. Gosh. 
great. Well, uh, guess what? Guess who I've been validated by? Not mm. by not by you guys who are just, you know, like to throw your AirPods in and just stroll through in your own little world. Right. Me out there smelling the roses and chopping it up with randos. <laughs> Bunch well, of airport who- drunks at 730 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what did, what, what did the Pharisees say to Jesus? I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. I'm just saying. He said, who is who are these men hanging who is this savior hanging out with wine bibbers okay that's not me that's the bible so i've been not only validated by scripture and the apostle paul but now i've been validated by science maybe you heard of it uh researchers from new york university recently released the findings of a new study and what they did is they looked at MRI uh, scans and compared them to neuro neurophysiological assessments of over 2000 people and they hmm. felt they found that people who regularly engage in deep conversations particularly conversations that involve active listening uh, had a notable their chances of later in life getting Alzheimer's or other diseases that involve cognitive decline were dramatically lower. So much Ooh. so that people who engage in these active conversations where they're where they're listening to people. So this this isn't like you know just like reading books or listening to like a podcast. It's active engagement in conversations. Um, and they 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 had some you know they they had pretty stringent um. Uh, uh, you know, circumstances to try to understand the depth of these conversations. If you regularly engage in deep conversations, there's now scientific evidence that you can stave off uh, cognitive decline. And it might actually be sort of an organic sort of preemptive cure for Alzheimer's. At least it could delay it pretty significantly up to four or five years. Um, And so the research shows that um, it's not just... um, it's not just that you you know you're kind of staying engaged and, and chatty. It's that the white and gray matter in your brain stays more elastic. This is what their findings were when you engage regularly engage in these active listening conversations. That at, at elasticity serves as sort of a backup for kind of the the front lines of your thinking. So even if you kind of lose your sharpness to a degree. As long as you're engaging in these kind of active conversations, your ba- your brain sort of backup, your kind of fallback will mm-hmm. stay really, really sharp and elastic. And so that you can stave off cognitive decline by just being a chatty person in your day to day life. So I feel very but are you validated. a good listener, Jesse, or are you just a chatty Charlie? I mean, I feel like I'm a reasonably good listener. Uh, you know, I mean, listening is a part of conversation. That's true. Uh, I feel I feel like I do run my mouth quite a bit, but uh, I also feel like uh, you know I don't mind I don't mind uh, hearing what other people have to say. So this is this is good news for us, though the interview people, because you have to do such hard active listening. Whenever I have like an interview day where I have three or four podcasts that I'm interviewing, like mm-hmm. my brain hurts at the end of the day, not from talking but from listening. So. I think this is good news for us. It's a perk of the job. Yeah, you get yeah. A, you, you're staving <laughs> off. You're investing in your future. I feel like I feel like Terry Gross and Mark Marin are going to live to like 500. You know, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, my grandmother, she was living by herself, 93 years old, driving herself, living her best life. And every morning, she would drive down to the McDonald's, get a coffee and a breakfast, and sit there and just chat up to all, all the McDonald's workers. And yeah. I mean, her whole life was conversation with people. I'm just trying to think. You're right. Like I'm thinking of the older people that I know. 
that were sharp until the end. They were definitely chatty social people. It, huh. it, it's like you read those stories that will come across like your news aggregator every once in a while. That's like a woman who lives to hundred who at a hundred and two gives her secret to longevity, and she's like Jack Daniels and Taco Bell every day. And you're like, how yeah. is this woman alive? Yeah. It's because yeah. she's the she's the talk of the neighborhood. She's out there hanging out every day, even though she's eating Doritos Los Locos Tacos for two decades now. It doesn't matter. The mind is powerful. People oh, go 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 talk to people. You, you know? know this was this was this came to mind earlier this week because I had an ethical dilemma. I was I was waiting for my wife. I was sitting in a bar. She was finishing up work somewhere. And a guy who was next to me, who was by himself, struck up a conversation with me and it became clear that he thought I was somebody that I was not. He oh, he was yeah. referring. He was like, hey, man, how's it going? And he started talking to me. And then I was like, oh, you're youth. And I was going to I was going to be like, hey, I'm not whoever you think I am. But then he was like super nice and he owns a restaurant and uh, <laughs> several distilleries around town. And he was like really interesting. And I was like, well, I kind of wish I was the guy that he thinks I am. So I didn't tell, I never broke the news to him that I'm not, there was a, not really an opportunity in the conversation and B, I just kind of <laughs> wanted, I wanted to keep it up. I want to see how long he said we should hang out more. I agree. I just don't know how long I can keep this ruse going, <laughs> but, but, but I feel like I listened really well. And I think maybe I'm <laughs> just going to end up kind of becoming a better friend than the guy who he thought I was. That he thought <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah. And then just by osmosis, just kind of become, he'll like stop thinking about that other guy. And maybe by the time he realizes the jig is up, he's like, oh, I like the new guy better anyway. It's all right. <laughs> hey, look. I, I'm friends with two other Jesse Carries on Facebook who just befriended uh -huh. me because they were befriending a lot of people with their same name. And okay, I follow them and I know what's going on with their lives. They've had it, you know, one of them's had a pretty rough couple of years. Um, another Jesse Carey ended up in our fan, in one of my fantasy football email threads because somebody mistyped my email address and replaced how I have my first name, last name convention. So this other Jesse Carey got in our email thread instead of when he raised the red flag and said, hey, I think you guys got the wrong guy here. We just kept him in. Why oh, not? Yeah. Why not have another <laughs> perspective? I've been pinging him for his his take on trade deals. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like, hey, happy accidents. It's Bob Ross style. You I know? love it. Oh, my gosh. I'll oh say my this. Gosh. I'll say this. He's terrible at fantasy football. I mean, he, he, nearly tanked the, he nearly tanked my team. So thanks a lot, Jesse. Uh, Tyler, something like that happened to me. I was at an event a couple of years ago and someone came up to me and they were like, I love your books, all the thing. They were just like mm -hmm. were raving about me. You know, like mm -hmm. how much they love me. And then they asked me to sign their book and it wasn't me. It was oh, somebody no. else. And so I was like, do I sign it as them or do I tell them? What'd you and do? looking back, I wish I would have just signed it to save us both the awkwardness. But after all them? of that you gushing, said, yes, oh, I said, yeah. I am actually I'm not Jamie, Jamie Ivey. I'm yeah. Jamie who'd, Ivey. They, who'd they think you were? Jen Hatmaker. They're like, they Jen, Jen, I love Hatman. you yeah. so much. And I was like, huh, I know Jen's great, but I'm Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. When, when, yeah. Years ago when we were, we had this like poster. I mean, this is OG podcast listeners will remember, but we had like a yeah. poster that we sent out as like a little subscription promo. And it was ridiculous. We still get the Sears Portrait Studio, but we signed a bunch just as jokes. And I made sure to like write my name illegibly so that the only way you could figure out was process of elimination. Uh, and I would just scribble something 
And then I would write Song of Solomon and then just a random number, <laughs> chapter, and verse. I didn't even know what it was. Like, right. I feel like that's the go-to. If you get mistaken, just be like, sure, 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 I'll sign it. Just scribble a name that's illegible and write Song of Solomon 215. Let them go look it up and decide if you're a weirdo or not. Oh, my you know? gosh. Jamie, do you, do you put anything when you're asked to sign your book or just your name? Yeah. Do you put a note? Do you put, say, keep dreaming your dreams? What do you say? I put a note. And if I'm talking to the someone, like, and they're telling me a story while we're talking, like, this, just this last weekend, I was at an event and I was signing a book and she was telling me about how she just finished chemo and blah, blah, blah. So I end up writing, like, this whole long paragraph. And I know the people that are running the line are like, just put your name. But I like to be nice to people and I really them. wish you would have signed it. I'm not Jen Hatmaker. Jamie Ivy. <laughs> yeah. That would have been amazing. Amazing when she got home and oh, looked at it. <laughs> that would have been. So, I just was like, it's so awkward. It's. I felt so sorry for her though. Like I don't care, but I felt like yeah. she walked away like I'm an idiot. And when she tells that story, she doesn't laugh. <laughs> no, like she a dark, that's a dark story. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. What do you have, uh, Tyler? All right. Um. So on this podcast, our uh, Jamie, you have tattoos. I have tattoos. Jesse, did you... I forget. Do you have two, ta- any tattoos, Jesse? I, ha- I have two tattoos, yeah. You have two tattoos. And Cameron, you don't have yeah. any, correct? I have zero tattoos. I don't put a bumper yeah. sticker on a Maserati. Yeah, oh, exa- okay. exactly. I, 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 just, I just got a brand... I just got last week. I just got another... I just added to the collection a little bit. Just got, got a little little work done. And it's fine. You know, it's just another little design situation. But uh, but I've, I've wondered about like practical tattoos, like, you know, uh, conversion measurements. You know, something like that that you that you would look up a lot, or like you know, kilograms to to pound. Yeah, just a little like you know, time zones, just things that would be really handy to have on your forearm or something like that. That would be really (laughs) easy. You need to put on your arm that LA is two hours behind you. I wouldn't do I, this isn't for me, but for somebody who travels a lot and who's dealing with people international, you know, maybe in finance, you got to know you I don't know why. Who knows why mad men do what they do, Cameron? Ty- I'm just Tyler, saying this would be somebody you, you understand that you're describing the exact plot of the Christopher Nolan film Memento. <laughs> yeah. where a guy with short term. I mean, that's literally what the movie's about. It's a guy with short term memory and the only person he can trust is himself. So he tattoos essential messages on his body. Uh, killed my you, wife. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you, <laughs> you realize that there's an entire six, one of the most successful directors in the world launched his career on this very premise, Tyler. And it worked really well for him. He like, you know, it's a happy, the movie has a happy ending. So I, I don't think this is like the craziest well, idea I've ever heard. Actually, it's a, incredibly okay. dark. It's a, yeah, it's a little, it's, it's, a, it's okay, not a happy, happy ending. Um, for Christopher Nolan, it was happy. <laughs> for Christopher Nolan, it was a happy ending. Well, uh, this this the story this week comes from uh from a musician I really love Anderson Pack uh who just I think just last week him and Bruno Mars dropped Silk Sonic their new their mm-hmm. new collaboration which is very good. Um, Anderson Pack got a new tattoo on his arm this week, and it is actually it is instructions about what to do with his music in the event of his untimely death. This is what the tattoo says on his arm. It says, quote, when I'm gone, please don't release any posthumous albums or songs with my name attached. Those were just demos and never intended to be heard by the public. You know, Tyler, you know what's ironic? You know what's ironic? I have a tattoo that says in the, in the, you know, event of my untimely death or Anderson Pock's untimely death, please release Anderson Pock's unreleased demos under my name, giving me credit. So legally, legally, 
Which came first? We'll see how this goes. Yeah. It, would that <laughs> stand up legally? One. They're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Remember that tattoo we had on his arm? I don't think marks on oh, your body are legal, legal contracts. I, I think yeah. it would have been more effective yeah. for him to put that in his will. But Hopefully the, 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 he did. He must have smart people around him maybe other than just well, tattoo artists. Maybe so, but that would be... I mean, I think legally they can do whatever they want. But now at least it'll be frowned upon. Like they'll be canceled mm. online for doing it, you know, because they're like, well, he <laughs> has the tattoo right there. We all saw it. It was on Instagram. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and That's I don't know. Really yeah, I don't know how legally it is. Otherwise, if it's just a way to make a like a grand because there was I think there was some controversy because a lot of Pop Smoke's uh, posthumous recordings were released and there was some indication from him before he passed away that he did not want these to be seen by the public. So maybe this is just going to be a new thing for any artist with a lot of unrecorded demos with a lot of demos in the can that uh the, that whatever they release is what they want released and anything that's not released when they die i think aren't there more doesn't tupac have more posthumous really released tracks than he had in his life i feel like correct me if i'm wrong on that you maybe this may we may need to do an edit on this next week but i feel like that's true hmm. I, I feel like the most famous case of this was uh jay dilla who was working yeah. on his deathbed, producing tracks that ended up like in a storage unit, um, like a lot of music that that it has ended up kind of found new life. But yeah, this mm-hmm. is a situation. Uh, do you remember, Cameron, you remember those Jay Dilla demo? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like probably 10 or 15 years ago, but it was a mm-hmm. big deal when people found them and started kind of, you know, releasing them. And they're, unbel- you know, Jay Dilla is one of the great kind of beat makers of, of his generation. But I feel like this is something that a lot of artists, particularly ones that are pretty prolific and just the nature of the music industry now that we're not kind of releasing full albums with any kind of regular cadence. A lot of artists are releasing a song here or an EP here or a collection here. I feel like a lot of artists are going to have tons of unfinished work. And the other thing is we're in the digital age, not the analog one where analog, it was Mm -hmm. too expensive to record something and not release it. You know, Mm -hmm. you actually had to store it on physical tape that needed to be developed. And just the developing process, especially in in the film world, often costs as much as the production. But in digital, anyone with an iPhone can make something that can live on forever for almost no cost. So I think this is a situation that tons of artists, producers, filmmakers, and even writers are going to find themselves in. Well, and you got to think too, like how many all-time greats, you know, weren't famous till after they passed away. I mean, Emily Dickinson or people who just weren't, or, you know, let's say, what if Picasso had a whole bunch of work that he never put out, but would be, you know, like important to history to be able to see and study his practice art. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, I wonder if like some of these artists or the Beatles, or if there's a catalog of stuff that fans would want that. Come on, don't deprive the world. Anderson Mm -hmm. Pack. Let us, let us yeah, see what you're yeah. doing. Let us see what you're up to. Anderson Pack doesn't. I, I think. I think also Prince said was on the record as saying he did not mm-hmm. want anything that he had not, but he had released. He wanted released and anything that wasn't really, they released he didn't stuff want after. He, didn't they, and they released? Yeah. They dropped it all. They, yeah. yeah, they dropped Christian songs and stuff. Remember? I mean, uh-huh. there was like a Christian album. Uh-huh. It was like five songs. And that was his family and his estate's choice. You know, too. You know, that uh-huh. was a. You know, it wasn't. That wasn't just a label thing. That was the, the his family who decided right. against so that it, it obviously gets a little bit complicated your, your catalog could if you know provide for generations of your descendants if you, I, you yeah know, i don't know come on anderson i'm a fan uh, another great example of this is tolkien like i mean uh That's you true. know his estate is the ones that is largely responsible for 
finishing some of his work that he left behind at his death mm-hmm. that's ended up, you know, now is being converted into the most expensive TV series in the history of the world. I mean, Amazon is spending, I think, over a billion dollars, if not if not a billion, it's very close to convert the unfinished work of J.R.R. Tolkien, who his sons and other people in his estate have sort of shepherded through. But this is based on stories that largely have kind of, you know, were, were not finished when when Tolkien died. And now it's creating a legacy, not just for his family, and and they will be well compensated for this, but also for his, his ability as a storyteller. I, I think... Yeah, I'm not going to dog on Anderson Pock for 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 his stance, but I think there's a cool thing about sort of handing the baton with art uh, or an idea to to you know uh, a new generation. You can release all of our recorded podcasts when oh. I in the event of my death. All of all our of pro- them. anything that's on Clark that'll you, be my you, one and only tattoo. A huge instructions. <laughs> Take it all. Drop them. Drop them. <laughs> I'm on it. Just, I'm on just it. Just mass upload. Yeah, I'm going to implant a, a microchip in my tattoo. <laughs> oh, and yeah. that'll be then <laughs> when you can your plug that stops. into your computer okay. right, and take all and my all. digital archives. Uh, yeah, It'll be good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. What do you have, Jamie? Okay. Well, first of all, I should tell you, you brought up Christopher Nolan. I was on vacation last week with my family in Breckenridge and I saw Tenet for the very first time. And so oh, yeah. it's like my very first Christopher Nolan film. My, my son is a huge fan. And so he's trying to make me watch them all. So what, what did I, you think? Cause I, I've heard mixed yeah. reviews. I haven't seen well, it. Yeah. What did you watch it with closed captions on? Also, That's did you critical. watch no. the entire thing or like Die Hard? Did you stop halfway through? <laughs> I watched the entire thing. My entire family was convinced I'd fall asleep because that's usually why I don't see movies. I fall asleep, <laughs> watch the whole thing. And I actually liked it. And I want to watch it again because everyone says the second time is even better. So yeah, I was going to say, it, it, as long as you've seen the first half of Tenet, technically you've seen the whole movie. <laughs> that's what I, heard, I won't yeah. give anything away, but that's yes. basically how it works. Yes. Yeah. I needed cap. Okay, so I was in Breckenridge, Colorado with my family. And you guys, I don't know if you can know this about me, but I'm an Enneagram six, which means that I am a worst case scenario girl. But I also know, like, if we're all together, I'm going to know where the exits are. I know how to get us out safely. Mm -hmm. I've thought through it all. But while I was in Breckenridge, I would go on walks in the morning and you guys, I was always scared that a bear was going to just jump. Like I envisioned them hiding Mm -hmm. behind trees at someone's home. Like I'm not out in the bush. Like I'm in a city. I envision them hiding behind trees, jumping out and capturing me. It never Mm -hmm. happened. I'm here. But I will say, I read an article about a man in Alaska who was literally tormented by a single bear, one bear for a week. You you guys, this bear was like playing mind tricks with him. This is so sad. His name is Richard. He was driving his ATV deer, his mining claim. When a bear attacked him out of nowhere, destroyed his vehicle, and he lost his cell phone, okay? So he has no vehicle That's or a, a cell phone. Day. Then this same bear, you guys, it kept coming back every night for a week. This bear would come back to try to get into his home. And I, I use the word home because he's out on this mining camp. So it's just, you know, not very secure. It's not like he can like lock all the doors and windows and stuff. And he was spotted a week later by U.S. Coast Guard because he had written, you know, SOS on top of his roof. And he was out there waving his arms, trying to get them. But this bear, you guys, waving would come his back. his arm. His one no, arm he that did have remaining. two arms. Oh, okay. <laughs> he bear, did have two arms. The bear got one and, of them. <laughs> no, but he only had, I think he only had one, uh, like, chamber. Would you call it a chamber? One shot left in his gun. I don't two know. Bullets. One bullet. I know. Yeah. So the bear, he said it came out of nowhere. Uh, It rolled his bike in his trailer and then he was in shock and he went to his cabin for protection. And the bear continued to attack for days 
You guys, I cannot even imagine this poor Richard man. And so they got him. They took him to the helicopter. But this guy is a champ because he's like, don't even put me on the gurney. I'm walking to the ambulance. He was fine. But this bear came back every night for a week to try to get into his cabin and attack this man. This is why I, I do not want to ever be in the wilderness because I would be convinced that this do bear would Do we know would come. the bear was trying to attack him or was the bear just going to help? You know, the bear, for all we know, the bear could have no, been bringing not, like a, a, bear is not a, a pot nice, of honey. No, 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 no. I this is not a honey bear. <laughs> Jamie, can I ask, can I ask, a, I think the question we're all thinking here. Yes. Was this individual, did he happen to be cooling blackberry pies on the windowsill? Because exactly. from what I understand, exactly. from what I understand, that is basically an invitation to the bear population. He kept okay. leaving his picnic basket out on his, his front porch. Basket. Yeah, it was yeah. On the- <laughs> no, poor Richard is just trying to do his mining job. And this... Also, did, how, how did we fact check this story? This sounds like a, a, a you know, a, a tall Richard tale. Was- no, I found this on multiple multiple news sites are running this story no, no, right no, I'm now. Saying, so. How did these journalists who wrote these stories fact check his tale? He's oh, just, it's no just his word bear? versus the bears at this point. Listen, he has the marks. He's got bruises. He's oh, frantic. Okay. Yeah. The Coast Guard found him. He's I got mean, a this belly is, full of pie. <laughs> this is just... <laughs> <laughs> mulberry pie you say <laughs> Coast Guard was like what did you do I, like, I had one bullet left in the chamber and I was down to my last little wooden basket full of blackberries a cooling yeah. pie crust yeah I mean I was down yeah I was down to the last <laughs> freshly baked pie that's how desperate this guy tickered red little kerchief I knew, that I put I over knew it if, I knew if it didn't dry in the natural air of my windowsill, then it just, that crust would just be a little too dry to be enjoyable. Oh, really man. needs that outside crosswind to get the moisture. <laughs> but the you guys, here's the PSA. Do not go into the wilderness alone. Okay, there you go. Always have a buddy. If Richard had a buddy, he would not have been stranded for a week fighting off a grizzly bear. If, if Richard had a buddy, he would... It's not enough pie to go around. Okay, yeah. you're not going to live off. You're not going to live off half single pie. pie. Right. Yeah, he's a he's a one pie guy. Okay, yeah. one pie guy, Richard. That's what they call him. Wherever <laughs> he's from. Guy, hey, there's Richard. one pie guy. Oh, he's a whole pie. Yeah, there's one pie. It wouldn't yeah, work. I mean, it wouldn't work. The lesson: always have a buddy because, as we know, in the wilderness, you don't. If you have a buddy with you, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your buddy. So you're fine. <laughs> there you and go. it's easy and if, to outrun a man who's eaten three blueberry pies in a single <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> He slowed him down quite a bit. It was quite the plan Richard had going. And if he had secured his red-checked napkin around his little stick that carried all his belongings in it, just a little more securely, so that the scent couldn't waft out like a little pe- yeah. like a little smoke, and he ran and down the, the railroad never track that he came in on. Yeah, the bear was floating by his nose, you know, like, like following the scent from the. By the way, what a horrific sight that would be in real life. A full size. Listen, I went to the Smithsonian. Nat- <laughs> I went to the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, and they had like a stuffed bear, like a yeah. uh, what do you call it? Yeah, uh, taxidermy bear. bear. Yeah. yeah. That thing is freaking huge. If I saw yes! one of those floating by the nose, and it was coming right for my pie, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. A real bear, it's not that funny. Like yeah. a flying bear coming for yeah. my pie. I, I know he's not gonna might have misled us. 
yeah. about yeah. about so about how how kind a floating bear would look in real life, and also about the danger of quicksand. Hanna Barbera also made us all think that quicksand was everywhere. And uh, I thought that'd be a very regular quicksand. part of my life. Yeah, yeah. never I've seen never it. never encountered quicksand. But we're ready if we, you know, if we do. I mean, I guess, I guess, I never really saw the outcome other than someone throwing a vine. Like, hopefully, there's a vine yeah. no, nearby. Or dude, I was toast. prepared. You better have like, a buddy I, with you. No, I was prepared because I grew up in the woods and stuff, and so I just saw, I thought quicksand was gonna be out there. But so you don't want to go up and down. You don't want to struggle. You want to lay lay perpendicular to the ground, like lay on your side and roll out. That's what you want to do. You don't want to try and like climb out. You want to, you want to roll out. I also thought that the prospect of getting marooned on a desert Island was yeah. highly likely at least some point in your life. Some point. And in your life. at some point the Harlem Globetrotters will be there with you. <laughs> at some point, the cast of a popular sitcom will stay a night and somehow be rescued, but leave you behind. I just, I thought that I would regularly have amnesia via coconut. For uh, real. Amnesia, that, that was going to be way more common <laughs> too. Yeah. I thought everyone gets themselves into hilarious hijinks with uh, a traumatic brain injury, as well as booking a date with two twins on the same night at the same restaurant. You just got to figure it out, man. You just got to figure Running it out. Running back and forth from the tables. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did one, at one table, you're disguised as the waiter. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for Sices. Stay tuned. Up next, Sean Hader joins us. Picture me. Picture me. Feeling free. Feeling free. I can't hear the heaven singing through the trees. Summer breeze, summer breeze, overseas. overseas. Everything in life working as he pleases. Look at the blue skies to ease my stress. Everything I need, I receive. God bless. Just a child from the ghetto back streets. Full the drive, never wanna take the back seats. Relaxing with my faction. No stress, no hate, no distractions. Let the sunshine be the main attraction. Holiday, give me so much satisfaction. You're listening to Lecrae, Jadena, and Limo Blaze. The song is called Every Day. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, our guest today is filmmaker Sean Hader. She's an award-winning writer and filmmaker working on projects like Mother, Men of a Certain Age, Tallulah, and more. Her latest film, Coda, follows a hearing teenage girl who is a child of deaf adults. Our very own Tyler Huckabee sat down with Sean to find out why her new movie feels so important right now, her trick for writing characters that feel real, and how she's fighting to make her industry a better, healthier place for everyone to work in. Here's our conversation with Sean Hader. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. It's based on a French film called La Famille Bellier. So it started out, you know, as an American remake of that film. And it is still, you know, there's a lot that's inspired from that story. But I think in the process of 
that I went through in order to write the film, which was diving into deaf culture and working with deaf collaborators and um, really understanding ASL in a deeper way and understanding the, the dynamics at play in this family, the script really was constantly evolving and, mm-hmm. and changing. And, and then you shoot and you're making different decisions on set and with your actors. So there's all these different phases. You know, when I did the ASL translation of the script, half the movies in ASL. So that was a huge jump in terms of looking at the dialogue that was there, whether this felt like this family, how we make this feel more like these family and this characters. And then also through production and then through the edit. I mean, I've never had a film change so much in the edit as this film did. Mm. We cut 36 scenes from the movie in editing. And so it became, you know, like a big piece of marble and you start chiseling to find the statue that's in there somewhere, but it's a process and there's, it's rewriting, you know, it's another rewrite that takes place. So I'd be interested to go back and look at our original, you know, my early drafts of the script because it has grown and changed so much since then. I got the music in me. I got the music in me. I got the music in me. Yeah. I got the music in me. I got the music in me. I got the music in me. Something that I think can really make or break a movie like this is having a believable teenage protagonist because so many teenagers come across as so forced and so inauthentic and, and so much like the writer has never maybe never been a teenager or met a teenager or been a parent to a teenager. But this one really, really worked, which is obviously a credit to the performance. But I'm wondering what you brought to the script or what kind of what were some of your guiding points for creating this character on screen who really felt like a very believable high school graduate, recent high school graduate. I think one of the things I do when I write characters and especially a younger character is not to not change my own voice in writing that character. You know, in a way we are who we are from the time that we're young. I still feel in my essence and core and the way that my brain works similar to how I felt when I was in high school. I know more and I've grown more and I'm probably more emotionally intelligent than I was then, hopefully. But Ruby is a deep character who's got a lot of tensions and things pulling on her and she's conflicted and she's flawed and she's all of the things that an adult character would be. And so I think part of it is imbuing a younger person with that. It was also really important to me to cast a real teenager. I mean... Amelia was 17 when we shot the movie and you can feel it. It's a very vulnerable, precarious age where you're right on the cusp of adulthood. And even hanging out with Amelia now, two years later, she's 19. She feels like a different person. There's something that's happened to her in the last two years where she's just sort of come into herself in a more adult way. And I think she's lost that thing that we captured because we shot at this moment where she was still a child in a lot of ways, even though she was on the cusp of being an adult. So Uh anyway, as someone who grew up watching 90210 with 30 year olds playing (laughs) high school, it was very very important to me to capture the teenage experience and what it actually feels like to be a teenager. So I'm glad you felt that way because it was important to me.
One thing I was really struck by, and and I I, I, I like this in a movie when it's when you can pull it off, but I don't think it's. I would imagine this is very difficult to do. Is create is creating a family on screen that feels like a believable family, just in terms of their energy and the chemistry, and that's. I don't know how much of that is, is just something that that comes down to casting or good writing or good directing. And I'm wondering how, what process you all went through to create that easy familiarity that I feel like I really got from watching them interact with each other. Weirdly, I got it too. And I was just in Gloucester, Massachusetts for the summer and I was walking around town and I kept feeling like I was going to run into the Rossies. And I'm like, this is extra insane because I made them up. (laughs) I made them up. Like I sat at my computer and these characters came out of me and now I feel like they're real and in the world Uh and I'm going to bump into them. Um, I would credit, I think, you know, Obviously, some of it starts with the writing because I'm drawing mm-hmm. on personal experiences. I was pulling from my own family, you know, my own embarrassing moments with my parents who were constantly crossing the line and the humor that exists in my family and the way that we all interact. So on on some level, I think it starts with the writing, but the the chemistry of the actors was an incredibly magical thing in this case. Like... I didn't know going in that that would happen. And it was pretty incredible that it did in the way that it did. And I think it was just truly casting people that fell in love with each other. And Mm -hmm. I mean that, you know, in the most genuine way, it was physically painful to end that movie and separate from those people. Mm. And Amelia just described Mm. to me, you know, we got back together to do like a press junket in LA And she said she's been so depressed since she left LA because she felt like her family was back together and then apart again. And that's a very intense thing. And I think it's almost this ephemeral thing that you hope for as a director, but you can't really create. And I think what you can create is an environment on set that is warm and welcoming and fun and inspires Mm. people to, Mm -hmm. you know, enjoy each other. But when they do and when it transcends like that that is kind of a movie magic that you really just hope for something's got a hold on me here with Sean Hader. You can hear more of that interview over at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to check out her film Coda. It's out now on Apple TV+. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, it's Relevant News. This week on Relevant Recommends, we're talking about The Green Knight, David Lowry's artistic spin on the Arthurian myth that's finally available to rent and watch at home this week. Read all about it at relevantmagazine.com. You're listening to Dell Water Gap. The song is Better Than I Know Myself. Okay, it's time for... Relevant News. 
There is a lot going on this week, and we're covering it all over at relevantmags.com and on all the socials. Uh, so we wanted to bring something here uh, to the show this week. But man, I, I don't envy your job, Tyler. What's going on with yeah. Relevant News this week? Yeah, well, there has been. Obviously, there's a lot going on, and a lot of it's moving very quickly right now. Um, so we're, we're very aware and we're praying for the situations in Haiti and in Afghanistan. Those are moving pretty quickly. Didn't really want to talk about irrelevant news because by the time you all hear this, uh, you're going to know more about them than, than we know right now, but we'll be covering those over at relevantmagazine.com yep. throughout the week. Uh, and, and I would you to also check how, how you can get involved, how you can help, yes. um, yeah, organizations that are on the front lines. Yep. Yep. Trying to keep that uh, as well. But I did want to cover something else that is happening this week as well. Uh, it's a story from the the religion faith world uh, that that is also very, very important. And this, uh, this story does deal with issues of sexual abuse. Uh, so I want to readers who are sensitive listeners, sorry, who are sensitive to that. I just want to alert you uh, to that. And if you need to, to fast forward to the end, then I understand that as well, obviously. But we're going to talk about Southern Baptist Convention and a woman named Hannah Kate Williams. Now, if you've been been paying attention to the SBC sexual abuse crisis that was first exposed by the Houston Chronicle a couple of years ago, then you're probably familiar with the story of Hannah Kate. She's been a very active and very public advocate for victims of sexual abuse in the SBC uh, because of her own experiences as a victim of sexual abuse and the the, uh, lack of awareness, the lack of interest that she's received. Uh, as a victim, as she's tried to alert church leadership to what happened to her and the uh, and their inaction on her part. Now, she, after having done a lot of work and raising awareness around this and uh, attempt and getting press interested in her story and the story of other survivors, she is taking legal action against the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, uh, earlier oh, wow. this week, uh, she filed suit against, uh, and this is according to Religion News Service, a wide array of Southern Baptist institutions and leaders. This includes the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, where her father, James Williams, who she alleged was her abuser uh, was both a student and an employee. Uh, so she also level brought a lawsuit against Lifeway Christian Resources. Her father worked there as well. The SBC Executive Committee and several committee members, including Mike Stone and Rod Martin. Uh, her father is a defendant in this case, and uh, she the complaint alleges that church leaders failed to investigate her reports. They says that they defamed her as a liar. The it says, and this is a quote from the complaint: conspired to protect the Baptist denomination from a problem of sexual abuse of minors and other vulnerable populations. Hmm. Uh, so this complaint will be going through. It's cited as we we discussed this a few months ago. It cited a leaked letter from Dr. Russell Moore. Uh, that letter that was leaked did show that the SBC was at least aware of these complaints, was aware that victims were bringing these issues up, but had declined repeatedly to do anything about them. And uh, and Jamie, I know that you especially kind of dealt with some of this in your own experience with the SBC here in Nashville a couple of months ago. So this lawsuit was just leveled uh, right now. Nobody's really talking about it. There, There's not been a lot of responses to it yet, but it's the first, as far as I can tell, the first real legal action we've seen brought against the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole, instead of against an 
individual church or a person in general, saying that this was an institutional systemic failure at the SBC level instead of just one perpetrator or one church. Uh, so we will be paying attention to this lawsuit as it continues to go through. But this is also an opportunity for the SBC to to cooperate with the lawsuit and the investigation and try to do the right. It's too late, obviously, to do right by Hannah Kate, who's already suffered greatly at the, who, I should say, who says that she's already suffered greatly at the hands of her abuser, who is her father in this case. Uh, but it is not too late to try to uh, commit to restitution and to make sure this doesn't happen again in the future. Yeah, it could be a wake up call. I mean, this happened in the Catholic Church, you know, yeah. uh, the yeah. legal action is kind of what forced change awareness and then mm -hmm. change. Um, yeah, yeah. At high I remember I had a conversation with someone about this recently and they made a point. They said, you know, these um, sexual abuse, other kinds of abuse, these things happen everywhere. Like it, they happen in other corporations. They happen in media. They happen in like we see it everywhere. Right. And her point was, it's not what someone does about when it happens. It's what they do when they find out that it happens. Like that's how people can be set apart from like, how does an organization, an institution, whatever, how do they handle it on the other side? Right. And her point in saying that was, that's where she sees the Southern Baptist Convention has failed greatly. Um, obviously they need to address what's happening and make changes and everything, but they have this, they've had this great opportunity to handle it well, in right. her opinion, and maybe mine and others as well. They haven't handled it well. And so- that's what people are looking at and asking about as well. Is like, what are you going to do about this now? And now we're seeing she had to bring it all the way to, you know, the legal system now. And I'm sure people are like, why is she suing the convention? And then people are like, well, they haven't done anything. They She's right, been yeah. talking about this since when, like 2019, at least publicly, I think, maybe even mm -hmm. longer. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I remember in a conversation that I had uh, with Rachel Denhollander, who, of course, has taken a leadership position mm -hmm. in trying to get the SBC and Christian institutions in America as a whole to take a more active role in combating sex abuse in their within their in their organizations uh she made the point that that uh perpetrators of these uh predators they co they come to religious organizations because mm -hmm. the religious organizations tend to be very safe for them uh there's a lot of re there's a lot of protection for abusers in these there's not a lot of safeguards against them there's not a lot of regulations legal right. or institutional so mm -hmm. it's a very inviting place for predators and that's terrible like what a horrible um, reputation for yeah. faith-based organizations to have, but they but they do, and uh, and there is an opportunity here to change that reputation, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be very very painful, and going to mm -hmm. take some real uh, systemic changes that are going to be difficult. And as we know, religious organizations, especially the SBC, tend to be very resistant to those deep changes. So it, we'll see what happens here. I hope it changes. You know, I'm rooting for Hannah Kate and, and rooting for any victims of, of abuse. Uh, I, I just hope that people listen to this and take this as, as a, as like you said, Cameron, a wake up call. Yeah. I think that it really shows the, courage of victims who are willing to speak out even if their abuse occurred in an institution that actively discourages their voices from being heard mm -hmm. right. like what a tremendous display of courage it just further shows how important it is to support those victims because what they're doing is is not just important because it will lead to the protection of other potential victims, but it also takes a tremendous amount of courage because those institutions are incentivized to keep their voices quiet. It shows 
the necessity to support victims uh, of of this abuse and uh, really give voice to those that are able to, to speak out against it. Absolutely. Wow. Well, we'll be covering that story and everything else happening at the intersection of faith and culture over at relevantmagazine.com. Go follow us on all the socials and stay up on it. All right. Thanks, Tyler. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, it's What's Jesse Thinking? Listening to Sufjan Stevens and Angelo D. Augustine. The song is Back to Oz. Okay, it is time for the triumphant return of. What's Jesse thinking? Huh? It, it's been like a couple months, so there's been a lot of things that you, I'm sure you've been thinking about. Jesse, what are you thinking this week? Well, you know, I, I recently made my trip to Washington, D.C., and yes. I got immersed in the in the possibility that there could be codes hidden all around us that will unveil untold riches and the secrets of, I don't know, the, the Freemasons, the founding fathers, whatever right. they're hiding somewhere. Yeah. These codes were hidden around the city. And so I nearly bailed on the most important part of the trip and sent the family to the Washington Nationals game while I scoured the city uncovering clues and my own treasure map and my own quest to steal the declaration of independence. And I came home and this is true. This is true. I fired up the, the whole family. We were exhausted. It was a very, it was a, it was a whirlwind weekend and we got, you guys know DC and the Beltway has some horrible, horrible traffic. A three hour drive can take about seven on the wrong day. So anyway, oh, we got goodness. home. Everyone's very tired. And I stayed up and watched the Nicolas Cage film, National Treasure. And if for some reason you're not familiar with this film, the plot is Nicolas Cage is trying to find some sort of buried treasure in Washington, D.C., deciphering codes that are embedded on all the monuments in the city. Very yeah. interesting to me. Like, we watched I, it on our vacation, too, Jesse. Did you really? Yeah, because if it's if it comes on TV, that's one of the shows that everyone just stops. And you're like, I'm in. Let's watch it's this. It's a great one. Thank you. Yeah. It's, Thank a, it's you. a winner. If you're, here's the thing. If your expectations are in line, if you're basically looking for a live action cartoon, which is what that film is. Okay? Each person in that film is a cartoon. Like, you just are prepared for... This is a Disney cartoon that happens to be real actors in real locations. Then it's a great movie. Like that has to be your expectation because it is a cartoon. <laughs> I started going down a rabbit hole as I often do when I'm when I'm up late at night, and I found a real life treasure. And I want to invite I want to invite everyone who's listening right now on this call to embark on the adventure of a lifetime with me to to unlock one of our nation's greatest secrets. Before I explain the mystery, I have to have a commitment. I will tell you this: the experts say. Mm-hmm. That there are ninety three million dollars on the line. Who's with me for one what? weekend? Wait, we can make this happen. Ninety three million on the line for Say what? Say no more. Say no more. I have to know if you're in or out, Jamie. Ninety. <laughs> Do I have to leave million. my house? <laughs> yes, I'm in. No matter where I have to go, it's going to be quite the journey. Um, 
So, so anyway, I got really interested in unsolved, like in real treasure hunting. And so I live for, for those of you who don't know, Loverland is Virginia. Virginia is for lovers. And around, have you guys ever watched the show Outer Banks? Like it's the, the worst show ever. It's super corny and ridiculous. No, I, but on I know Netflix. you watch it because it's local and you like watching yeah, it's this. Local. Th- it's local. Scenes. And, and it, you know, the premise of the show is, is these kids get in this hunt for, uh, they're looking for a buried pirate treasure, which I live in Virginia Beach, Cape Henry's right here. The Outer Banks are right here. Yeah, there's. I grew up with the. We know Blackbeard's house. I can drive to like right down the street. Like I grew up with a lot of sort of urban legends about buried pirate treasure. So it's always kind of been in my psyche. Like, hey, there's buried treasure. Well, there actually is one of the kind of one of the last unsolved mysteries of this great country we live in. Uh, uh, first transpired in eighteen in the in the late eighteen hundreds. A man who went by the name of Thomas Jefferson Beale walked into a small inn in the mountains of Virginia. So this is about this is this is not near me. This is about five hours away. This is way near like West Virginia, almost. Yeah, this is close to the border of West Virginia. So quite a you know in the mountains. So at the time, there's a very fancy inn, and the innkeeper at the time said, uh, and this 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 is what leads me to believe that like in a lot of these great novels, I have some distant family connection to this mystery. But that's mm. one of the great things about treasure hunting if the treasure hunter finds out he's like the great great nephew of the person you know the only clue i have that i could be related to this individual is that it's on record that in the late 1800s the innkeeper described him as the most handsome man he'd ever seen he looked a little (laughs) he looked a little dirty he was a little worse for the wear but the innkeeper described him as the most handsome man he'd ever seen so obviously there could be some connection. We just don't know, but we have a pretty solid clue. Well, if you go back far enough, we're all related. I mean, if you yeah, believe exactly. the Bible, so, we all go so, back to Noah. So the man introduces himself as Thomas Jefferson Beale, and he says he's checking in, to, in for the night, and that he's been, uh, uh, he stays for a couple days. He ends up giving the innkeeper a box, okay? And he tells the innkeeper, I want you to hold this box. You'll hear from me. Uh, but if, if you don't hear from me 10 years from now, like, if I don't give you any indication, you can open it, and the contents are yours. So, the guy leaves the inn after a couple nights, cleans up, gets out of town, uh, writes a couple letters to the inn to make sure the box is safe. You know, here's for the guy for, like, the first two years. Anyway, guy drops off the map, ten years go by. The innkeeper keeps his word, opens the box ten years later. Mm-hmm. Inside this box was numerous documents and papers that told the story of how this man, Thomas Jefferson Beale, and uh, some investors were hunting for gold in the mountains of actually Texas, Jamie. And uh, they found a substantial deposit of gold and silver, which they, over the course of two years, were able to excavate from these mountains. Now, one of the investors had some connections in Virginia, but decided that they would keep the treasure there for the time being until they figured out the best way to, to, to figure out what to do with it. And they, for, but for the time being, it was so much gold and so much silver that the only safe thing to do was to hide it. And so, in the box, not only recounted that story, there were three lengthy documents, and each was labeled. Uh, but outside the label, there was only a series of numbers, what's kind of known in treasure hunting co- communities as a cipher. So it was just three series of numbers. One of the documents said it would tell uh, the ve- of what's actually in a hidden treasure that is somewhere hidden in Bedford County, Virginia. So it would tell the contents of a, of a buried treasure. The other document would tell the location of the buried treasure, 
The other one would tell the rightful owners of it. Now, here's a little twist to this story. The Commonwealth of Virginia is one of the only places in this whole country that has a very obscure law on the books. It's essentially a finder's keeper law. If you find a treasure or an item of value, no matter where you find it, including if it's on private property, it belongs to the finder. So even if you found this buried treasure on somebody else's farm, to this day, there is a law in the books that says if you find it, you get to keep it, not the property owner. Wow. So that's kind of added a little element of uh, of intrigue to this thing. So these for for a long time the 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 you know the innkeeper was trying to break the codes. He ended up deciding maybe I'll do a little crowdsourcing here in 1885. He published all three along with some context in a pamphlet and distributed them throughout town to see if anyone could break the codes. Only to this day, over 140 years, and a lot of people have tried, including the guy who founded the NSA which is the you know National Security uh, Administration, which specializes in codes. They've had CIA code breakers. They've had supercomputers try to break it. To this day, only one of the codes has been broken. And that's the code that unveils what's actually in the buried treasure that Thomas Jefferson Beale buried in, in, this, in this little town. Uh, according to that document, in today's numbers, it's, you know, because it, it outlined what it was in, in the weight of the gold, it's $93 million in precious metals that are okay. buried in a single location. Um, now, how they broke the code was really interesting. They were trying everything they could to break the cipher. The clue ended up being the Thomas Jefferson's field name, Thomas Jefferson. Someone matched up the numbers in that document. <laughs> this is true, Okay. With words in the Declaration of Independence, which was written by Thomas Jefferson, and it actually told an entire story when the cipher was lined up. And it told where where they found this treasure in Texas, how much gold was in there in tonnage, and it outlined the whole thing once it matched up to the actual Declaration of Independence. So in today's numbers, it's almost $100 million in precious metals that are buried in Bedford County. Now, the third document sort of irrelevant because the third one says who the treasure belongs to. At this point, it's been over 150 years now. And, Finders keepers, huh? And so, you know, whoever is the rightful owner of this is no longer relevant. So that means only one of these codes that remains unbroken is, has any relevancy. And that is the location of the Bedford treasure. It is still at large. People haven't broke this code. And guys, if this isn't a mystery for the relevant podcast, Scooby-Doo gang, (laughs) I don't know what is. Who's Uh with me? Who's with me Mm -hmm. on this? Tyler, I I see the intrigue in your eye. Oh, I I, I would do. So I assume, obviously, that the that the Declaration of Independence is not that was the cipher for one of these, but not the final and most important document correct the 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 code breaking for the first cipher is the magna carta actually Mm -hmm. so another historic yeah it's actually the script for national treasure (laughs) Uh, (laughs) how far are you from bedford county like is this something that you can go over on the weekend and poke around or It'd, it'd, be about five and a half, it'd be about five and a half hour. <laughs> that's like too much time. That's, that's a long weekend trip. It's a lot of work. Yeah. For, it's for a lot that, of work for, for that $93 million. million. Dollars. Yeah. yeah. Since this has sort of been in the local lore there, it's really it, multiple CIA code breakers have tried, people from the NSA. They've had supercomputers try to break these other ciphers. Yeah. No so one's been able to So what makes you think you're going to be able to? They're, they're thinking, okay, there's an old Chesterton quote. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you ever read Orthodoxy. He said this. We published he, he, Orthodoxy. 
Yeah, I remember. And that's where I read this quote when I was reading the yeah. book in our office one lunch break. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, it's a fantastic book. I still have the relevant copy somewhere. Um, but, you know, he's talking about theology and he uses this metaphor. He said, uh, mathematicians go crazy. Poets don't. Because mathematicians try to build a bridge mm-hmm. to the infinite where poets are content to swim in the sea. Like mm-hmm. that's his sort of thing. Like if you try to formulize God, you'll, you, it'll never make sense because he's God. His ways are not our ways. But poets aren't trying to get to the end. They're, con- they're, they're content in the tension. All I have to say is they're trying to figure out with math. I want to get inside this guy's head, right? Like he, this isn't just a math problem, okay? What if the code is something a little bit more poetic and esoteric and not necessarily some direct correlative thing with like a, uh, uh, you know, GPS coordinates or something? I think all the supercomputers and NSA nerds are thinking along, along the wrong lines. I think we get in uh-huh. this, this person's psychology and that's how we'll break this code. Are you guys with and me you've on already, this? You've Jesse, established a family connection, right? Because of the good looking. Good luck. I mean, part, that yeah. seems reasonably obvious. At this and I'm, point. I live in Texas, so there's that connection. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that's two boxes checked. <laughs> Do we think that each of the ciphers is, a, is, is, is cracked by a different Thomas Jefferson document? And so one of them was the declaration, mm-hmm. but we need to go read more of his works. His letters. I, I, or it could be the Beale. Like what other Beal? Washington Wizards All Star Bradley Beal might be connected. Oh Maybe he saw the future. <laughs> Maybe it's Beale Street in in, in, in oh. Harlem. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many Beale Street in New Orleans. Oh, I thought. No, well, there you go. Look oh, at that, both. Cameron. You're on the. Hey, Cameron. You're on the team. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> I feel like this is one big escape room. (laughs) I was going to say, this is why I'd be terrible at this. Because if I go to an escape room with people, it's like too much. It's too overwhelming. I literally, you'll find me. I'll just sit down and I'll tell everyone, just let me know when we're done. Like, let me know when we get out of here. I do not have the capacity or the care or the whatever to go through the clues. I literally just have a seat. Tell me when we're done. So I I don't know if I'd be the best person. I can encourage you, Jesse. I'll I'll be like the encourager, that type of thing. But I'm going to just sit down and you let me know when you get close. We'll just bring you, Damien. You'll be the bear lookout for the crew. Yes, I will be the lookout for County Pie pie maker, pie maker slash bear lookout. I'll I'll bring my ATV. I'll bring a week long (laughs) supply of blackberries and uh, and my secret, the Huckabee secret pie crust recipe. I don't see where that can go. That, that can keep us fed, you know, mm-hmm. during this expedition across yeah. the county. I'll bring a satellite phone, too, because I do recommend that if you're going out into the wilderness, satellite phone. So here yeah, I go. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know where you probably buried it? Quicksand. Think about it. <laughs> we need a quicksand. Can't get guy. down there. Can't get yeah. down there. Yeah. Quicksand at the bottom of a bear den. You know, surround, <laughs> surrounded by honeypots. The honeypots are trapped <laughs> And yeah. the only way the bears can get in and out of the den is by sniffing and floating in. So it's yeah. the ground is actually uh-huh. booby trapped. So we couldn't mm. get in there. Yeah. You make a pie, you set it over there, you ride the bear floating over. Oh yeah, the you ride the you bear like a magic back. carpet yeah. ride. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And to take care of the bears, the the honeypots are shaped in a way they can get their hands in, but they're really a, they're really <laughs> difficult to get out. So there's a lot of bears comically waving honeypots on their hands. Yeah, they're exactly. just waving honeypots around. If there's anything yeah. I know, that's the most effective bear trap. Is it? You don't want to pull your hand out of the honeypot. Honey you got to push uh-huh. through the honeypot. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole thing. Yeah, it's a proverb that'll preach. 
<laughs> so anyway, guys, that's what I've I'm been in. thinking about quite extensively since my trip to D.C. You're welcome okay. to join me or else I will enjoy the spoils of my $93 million by myself and my other <laughs> handsome family hey, man, so Next time you're down here in Florida uh, on the East Coast, they call it the Gold Coast for a reason because there's a yeah. whole bunch of pirate ships that, that got, you know, uh, sunk in this one stretch off the coast of Florida. So they're still finding treasure now. Like you can still like go out there and dive and get it. Listen, we could do our own version of the show Outer Banks on Netflix and no one would even know because all of the actors in that show, I looked it up because my wife's uh-huh. obsessed with it. She watched both seasons and almost one sitting. And you watched like it before she long. did. Don't lie. I know you did. You told me. Either you way. told me. You <laughs> told me you watched it because you just want to see the local spots in the show. That's what That's you said. That's either here nor there. That's either here nor there. <laughs> Are they high school kids? They're supposed to be high school kids. In they're like twenty eight years old. They're in their yeah. late. They're in their late twenties, and yeah. so yeah. we could easily pull off the college age. The college. Oh age. yes. You know what I mean. <laughs> we could all pass in Outer Banks world for just regularly aged college students, even though we are have not been in college since uh, the early two thousands. That's yeah. okay. That's Outer That's Banks okay. time. I actually, I actually get offended when I'm places and people don't ID me. Like I'm like, oh, you don't need to see my ID. Don't you want to know if I'm, you know, under thirty? Don't you have to ID mm-hmm. everyone under thirty? And they're like, no, ma'am, you're fine. I'm like, okay. Yeah. No, 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 that. no, no. We got the under thirty thing. We just, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> you're, here's your, here's your white claw. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for. What's Jesse thinking? Huh? So what do you want the listeners to do? Send you other treasures, like maybe treasures that they know about in their area or something? Like, like yeah, I'm trying I, to think like what people's takeaway is. I want to, how about this? I want to collectively as a podcast, I want to solve a mystery for a listener. If listeners mm. send Ooh. in their mysteries, big or small, this could Ooh. be a treasure or it could just be something they've always wanted to know. Who did I, you know? I think we should, as a podcast, commit to solving at least one listener mystery like and make this. a segment of this it. Is a great just idea. one episode. I like but it. But Jesse, you were, like, team. years ago, you were going to go solve the mystery of like who stole the ruby slipper from that inn or something like that. Or something I don't even with... know who I fell on at that Bible college. Right. But... That was another one. You were going to reveal, you were going to figure out the, the identity of the... the the weekend uh, college weekend person you fell on. I'm yeah. a rookie at this, Cameron. That's why I need options. I need the easy mystery. I don't okay, need that's one. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like crossword puzzles or, or Sudoku. You need the easy, medium, you hard start, expert. You start, you start, start the beginner. Yeah. All right. We'll do some. Send us some easy mysteries to get us going. If you have a, if you have an unsolved mystery, but it's not solved because you haven't had the time, not because it's unsolvable. Like it's a right. right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Just one you haven't you haven't gotten around to yet. Have right. you thought of just getting a little metal detector and walking around the county and seeing what you might come up with? I mean, that seems like the mathematicians are doing really hard, and you could just be like, guys, I'm here. I got a metal what? detector. I'm walking in people's backyards. <laughs> evidently, I did a deep dive on this. And evidently, there's been a lot of people, I mean, who have spent a tremendous amount of their fortunes, you know, personal fortunes, using those type of methods. I, some people have rented helicopters, wow. you know, just uprooted their lives to find this thing. It's still out there. That's why I think they're just thinking the wrong way. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't have access to metal detectors, uh, helicopters, <laughs> uh, excavation equipment. What I have is a brain that there thinks you go. pretty weird. And I think I might be related to this cat. Um, and so maybe we can just get on his same wavelength, much like the plot 
of National Treasure Star Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for what's just thinking. All right. Send it. Hey, tweet us uh, at Relevant Podcast your mysteries that you want us to start taking a stab at. And uh, we will crowdsource wait. them here on the podcast next week. I like can't it. Wait. Well, many thanks to Sean Hader for joining us today. Make sure to watch Coda. It's on Apple TV Plus now. It's a great film. You don't want to miss it. Uh, also, go check out what's happening at relevantmagazine.com. You can sign up right there on the homepage for our daily newsletter, bringing you the top five trending stories at Relevant every morning. You can um, also sign up in the faith section for the Deeper Walk newsletter, where we send out every weekday our daily devotional. You can get it there on the site. You can get it in your inbox. And you can also check out the Deeper Walk podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We put a new one out every day. It's pretty great. And it's all presented by Lumo. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And for Derek Miner, we'll see you next week. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Gloriously bedazzled pleather purple chaps. Relevant Podcast Network. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. And we are back for season four of a very, very, very iconic, iconic podcast. podcast where the two of us recap all the holiday movies we love and some that we don't love so much. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Tis the season. That's right. We're covering some classics this year. We are recapping the entire Santa Claus trilogy. We're going to be diving into a Halloween movie this year. Yes, Hocus Pocus 2. That's right, the sequel. We also have I'll Be Home for Christmas starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So we are leaning into the home improvement of it all. And if you want to follow along, you can go to Instagram. It's at a very merry iconic podcast on Instagram. And be sure to Listen, subscribe, tell a friend. Have a very merry, iconic day. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.